I'm going to give you some info on our guest speaker, but she is an amazing and beautiful author of these four books, and they are available in the lobby afterwards, but Grace Calls, Secure in Heart. Her newest one is Pure for the Journey, which is a 40-day um, devotional that her and her husband about living a pure life. She could probably explain things better. And Eve's Song is also her, before the Pure and Journey, that was her most recent, but she's out here working on her fifth book, can I share the Sarah's song will be the title of that book. So please see the, the book table afterwards. But let me tell you a little bit about Robin. And I'm so excited. I just met her for the first time tonight. And after we've been texting many, many times. But I'm so excited to finally meet her. And let me read a little bit about our, our speaker. So Robin Widener is a certified trauma professional and life coach. She is also the author of four books, including Secure in Heart, Eve's Song, Grace Calls, and Pure the Journey with her husband, Dave. Grace Calls was the gold medal winner in the 2017 Illumination Book Awards for Recovery and Self-Help. Dave and Robin work full-time leading Purity Restored, a nonprofit devoted to sexual purity. Their work takes them around the world, helping churches and individuals heal spiritually and see grace in new ways. Robin also has owned her own copywriting business for 20 years. In her free time, she enjoys riding her bike, stand-up paddleboarding, and intuitive art. Dave and Robin have been married for 40 years and have three grown children and one grandchild. She is in Palm Desert finishing her fifth book, Sarah's Song. So without further ado, I want to give to you Robin Widener. Good evening. Good evening. I'm so happy to be with you guys tonight, and it's always exciting coming to a new church because I know I'll see old friends. And so it was so exciting to see Melody and Janet in Alberta tonight and see others of you that I've met on the road. And always a, a surprise when I come, and uh, I, I saw Jake Rock here, and I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't know you were here. And it's one of the benefits of getting to travel the world. It's really been faith-building, seeing our churches in all different places. Last year, we spent a month in Africa, in Nairobi, and in Kenya. And although I got very sick... Um, we had a phenomenal time with the disciples there and learned so much from them as they learned from us. And I think what we're seeing and really our dream, people look at us and they say, oh, they're the purity people. And that kind of drives me crazy <laughs> because it's kind of a box to put us in, you know, to fit. Oh, like people who struggle with purity are the purity people, whereas honestly, the majority of Christians have some struggle that would fall under blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And um, so really what we are passionate about is a revolution in grace. Is really believing that grace is the power to change. Grace is the power to undo trauma. 
Grace is the power to overcome those things you don't want to talk about and that are scary and that have deep roots in your heart and maybe you let out little bits of, but it's very scary to let them out. And really, hopefully next year, there'll be a book, Grace-Powered, Grace-Centered Discipleship is what we're working on, our next big project together, to really look at how to really put grace as the focus of our relationships, as the focus of the ways we help each other, as the focus of people being pure in whatever area of their life, whether it's eating or shopping or sex or or social media or streaming TV or whatever your struggle is, that grace is the answer. So when um, Danielle so kindly asked me to speak, actually, um, I was coming here kind of incognito to write my book, but our friend Nick Anderson, I think, called the church here and said, Robin's in town, maybe you should grab her. And I was so grateful because even in putting together this lesson for you guys tonight, I felt like my heart changed, like my view evolved another step. I mean, I feel like I'm on this rapid train of learning. And so, guys, I'm, I'm really fired up. Bear with me. My goal tonight is to be as vulnerable as I know how, although to tell you all the things I've been through would take a week, you know, of you being here nonstop. But to be as vulnerable as I can, throw my hearts at you and make it safer for you to throw your hearts at each other Amen. and really take the depth in your relationship Deeper. So how does that sound? Does that sound like a fun night? So I call tonight Journey to a Wounded Healer. And here I have a picture of me when I was, I think, five, four, five. You can see that I was already a mama. You know, I had my baby dolls. And you see the innocence, don't you? You see a young heart, a young girl, a girl who wanted nothing but to curl up with her parents and play with her dolls and wanted to feel beautiful and wanted to be loved, that little girl. And unfortunately, around that age, my mom one day, um, I don't even know how this all took place, but a relative came through town, and I was the oldest, and she didn't want to take all the kids with her, so he said, I'll keep, I'll take Robin. Well, unfortunately, as you can guess, he had plans for me, and they weren't good ones. You know, he, he showed me things no little girl should see. He touched me in ways no little girl should be touched. He threatened me, you know, in a very subtle, coy way. He told me he loved me and how beautiful I was. And that was the first rip in my soul. You know, there was a tear there, a trauma in my young soul That would take so many years. In fact, I so repressed that by the time I was a teenager. That was so tucked away. It wasn't until after the writing of Secure in Heart that God gave me back the memory after much prayer. I had this stray little bit of it that I prayed about for years. And finally, through miraculous kind of circumstance, I had a full flashback of my sexual abuse. But that opened me up to, you know, being the little girl that boys mess with because You know, when you have a rip in your boundaries like that, and those of you who've suffered abuse in your childhood, and I know many disciples have, you understand. There's a rip that takes place. There's there's a rift. Like somehow you have to give things you don't want to give 
to get to be approved, to be loved. And you can never tell. You can't be honest. And so where I really learned to pour all that into was performance. And here's a picture of me as a baton twirler. <laughs> and um, I, I was quite a baton twirler. I think I ended up with some 300 awards. I went to nationals one year, and I was ranked in my age you know, level. Um, I won a dance scholarship one year. I had a, a pool record in, record in backstroke. Um, and I was a budding artist. It was like there was nothing. Uh, performance, performance, performance. That's how I learned. And I loved all those things. I actually loved baton twirling. I still like to watch videos of baton twirlers. Fun for me. But yet, I was running from something. I was running from this sense that I was only enough if I gave out enough, if I did enough, if I performed enough, if I kept an image enough, if I was pretty enough, if I was skinny enough, you know, all of that came into me. Um, And then in my teen years, you know, about the time, probably about the time I was this age, my father began drinking more and more and more. And then came alcoholism into our family. And then came bottles in brown bags and lies and my dad putting beer in my sister's bottle, you know, who was 16 years younger than me, and abuse, verbal abuse and physical abuse, some for me, but more for my brothers, and more trauma came and eventually led to the tearing up of our family and eventually, um, you know, long story, but my father eventually married a woman who stole everything our family had. Um, She was a a widow maker, I guess you'd say. He was her fifth, and all of them had died. And um, so, yeah, I've been through a thing or two, and I've just given you this much of it. But here's what I came to see. You know, I've been on this journey of, of writing, and writing for me is health. You know, is me processing me. I really wasn't writing for other people. And I still don't, I mean, I'm writing Sarah's song and I'm up in my room over, you know, in Palm Springs at the, whatever it's called, resort. I'm in there and I'm weeping because it's just another layer being peeled off of my soul, helping me. So here's the thing. Things that happen to us, you know, whether they're outside the church, in the church, whether they're in your childhood, in your teenage years, in your adulthood, losses, deaths diseases, sickness, you know, tragedy. We have a lot of post-traumatic stress in our world right now. Coronavirus, earthquakes, rising waters, you name it, right? Violence. Um, All of this, when we don't heal it, when we don't expose it, when we don't know, when we think we should be bigger than it or more spiritual than it, it begins to impact us spiritually. It impacts how you see yourself. It impacts how you see other people, how you see other Christians, how you see the church. And most of all, and sometimes it's so subtle, it impacts how we see God. And so I begin to understand the scripture. Let's see, let's go one couple forward and then we'll come back to these. I think I got a little out of order. Well, we don't need it. Here, let me go back and keep in order here. But you know the scripture where Jesus said, 
you know, was talking about the greatest commandment was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you look at your handout, I begin to realize that these are the areas, you know, Satan was listening when Jesus said that, right? Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I can picture Satan saying, okay, all of you demons, you're the strength committee. Okay, all of you, you're the soul committee. You're going after the soul. You're the heart committee. You're the mind committee. You know, he wanted those areas. He wanted to attack us in those areas because those are the areas that make up our love for God. The thing that drives him crazy. Is this making sense? So I begin to understand that we need, we all need recovery of sorts. And the word recovery, to make it really simple, means to take back what was stolen. Can we all say that together? To take back what is stolen. And you can even make that more personal, to take back what's been stolen from me. Let's try it that way. To take back what's been stolen from me. So, you know, we need work in these areas, um, in strength. Um, You know, past and present trauma takes away our dignity. And wears away at our, at, our, at our core. You know, I think dignity is the true strength of a woman. And he wants to steal our dignity. Um, in our heart, he wants to make us think that other people love us conditionally. And if they really knew us, they, would, they wouldn't want to be the friend that they are now, or that everyone else has closer relationships and deeper relationships. He wants to bang on our heart. The mind, oh my goodness, you know, Netflix, social media. um, He is working to rewire our brains. And the book, Pured the Journey, enables you to fight that. That's something that Dave and I have been working on for three years. It's been pre-tested with thousands of disciples it's a journey of rewiring your cravings and getting your mind back and understanding the battle. But he's also after our soul. He wants, you know, he wants our spiritual self. He wants to impact us spiritually. And so when I began to understand that, it really helped me to not feel so much shame. And we're going to talk some about shame tonight, but also to rethink what it means to grow spiritually. And I think for we've been guilty in our church, you know, in the International Churches of Christ and other churches as well. We speak in other churches sometimes as well. Um, in the mainline Churches of Christ where I was converted at 17. Um, and so we think of spiritual growth as kind of either you're growing or you're dying. Either you're up or you're down either you're moving forward or you're moving backwards and that is such a trap isn't it you know because now our christianity either you're happy or you're sad um and either you care or you don't care you know we've made it all so black and white and i begin to think we put growth on a line, like, you know, on a, on a graph that goes, you know, sometimes we're up and then we're down, we're really down here, and then we're, we're, we're middle, and then we're down, and then maybe we get up a little above the line. 
And that is a very discouraging way to view spiritual growth. So instead, I started to think, what would it look like if we viewed growth as a spiral? And there's this golden spiral in nature. Any of you who are in mathematics know about it. It's um, by Bernoulli, right? Have I got that right, Bernoulli? Anyway, it's a miraculous spiral, and it's all over nature. It's in the seeds of a sunflower. It's in the curl of a wave. It's, you know, Doug Jacoby talks about it as one of the evidences for Christianity. It is all over nature. And there's some really cool places that that spiral is at. One of the coolest is it's in the cornea of our eye. It's how we see. We don't see, you know, on this, like this. We've got this spiral in our eye that's in all of nature. And it's the way we see. And so the idea of the spiral is there's no good and bad, up and down, either growing or dying. No, instead, God's in the center. And we're, you know, we're at different places at different times, but our struggles tend to be cyclical. They, they come back around. You never repent of something and you're over it. Can you guys testify to that? Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Yeah, you think, okay, I repented of overeating. I repented. I had an eating disorder in college. I, I've done it all, let me tell you. I could have been a sex addict, had an eating disorder in college. You know, just when you think you've got eating under control, bam, you know, a bad week hits, and it circles back around. So if we think that we should be bigger than that, what does that give us when it comes back? What kind of feeling? Shame, guilt, discouragement. Oh, no, 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 I can't. No, 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 that can't be coming back around. I'm a disciple of Jesus. How could that be coming back around? And we get a major case of denial in our hearts. And so instead, if you know it's going to come back around, you can be curious. Well, hello, you. there you are. Hi. <laughs> I think you were from my sexual abuses in, in my childhood. And I'm not sure why you're stopping by today, but thanks for coming by. Is there anything you need to tell me? No? Okay. Well, see you next time. You know what I mean? You get to, you get more wise about it. You get more unafraid. You get rid of the shame and you learn to operate under grace. So we're going to do a little reenaction of this. I've done it in many places and I don't know if we have room here. We'll get a little more room up here. I'm going to need 12 volunteers to come up. So don't be afraid. You're not going to have to, I'm not going to embarrass you. Nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah, just walk up. So you are going to start down at this end, and then you'll line up behind her. Okay? Just go ahead right there. Here you go. There you go. Da da da. Pain trading, forgiveness. Empathy, I need one more. One more person. All right. When you know, the last person gets to be hope. So, these are the 12 chapters of my book, Grace Calls. And so, if you look at it this way, sorry, girls, but these are the stones of darkness. So, trauma, triggers, and thorns. So, don't feel bad because you're going to learn a different way to see it. 
this is just how we, how we tend to see it. It's we don't want trauma, we don't want trigger. A trigger is how your past rubs into your present and causes you to overreact in the present. Because really, you're not just acting from the present, you're acting from the past as well. That's triggers, thorns, or Satan's accusation. Then the next stones are the stones of recreation, where God is recreating you, so you have tears. Does anybody cry as much? I cried. Anybody else cry today at least once? Yeah. Yeah, I cry. I cry all the time. Um, spiritual warfare. I think you know what that is. Dignity, that inherent sense that I'm worthy and I'm worth it. Acceptance is what we battle off shame with, that Jesus accepts me, so I'm okay. Sanctuary is that inner place where we get wounded, that intimacy of relationship. And so these are all the tasks, restoring, getting back what we've lost, tears, spiritual warfare, dignity, acceptance, and sanctuary help us do that. And then we go to the four stones of rest. So pain trading is we swap our stories and we learn not to feel shame because everybody else has the same, similar stories and we learn from each other's stories. Forgiveness, you see it's, at the, it's near the end because forgiveness is an advanced work. Forgiveness is learning to let go. Empathy, learning to understand the people that hurt us, and then hope. So let's all turn towards hope. Turn sideways. Keep your sign out where everybody can see it, but turn towards hope. Very good. You guys are you're catching on very bad. So if we look at spiritual growth this way, what is the good end? You can point to it. Everybody point to it. Okay. What is the bad end? Okay, what is the growing end? Oh, good for you. Yeah, more nuanced, right? You already know that it shouldn't be that way. But if we put it on a line, see what happens? So, trauma. Thank you for being trauma. I've had a lot of trauma, so I really relate to you, so I appreciate you being here. How, How far away do you feel from hope? If, if we're looking at spiritual growth this way, how do you feel being, being here? Well, I think it's a step in the right direction. A step in the right direction. I appreciate that. Um, can you reach out and touch Hope where you're, where you're at right now? Inspiration. You can touch me. <laughs> can you touch Hope up there? Oh, hi there. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, so what do you guys see? Let's just make, if we view spiritual growth this way, none of you can look at each other. You have to keep looking forward towards Hope. Because in the church, we are hopeful. So we all look at hope. What do you see? How does this limit us? Well, if I were trauma, I might be able to see a little glimmer of hope in the far future, but it's way too far away for me to grasp. Okay. Trauma is trauma's too far away from hope this way. Yes. If I get out of order, then maybe I'll never get to hope. Okay. If I get out of order, I'll never get to hope. What if you come all the way here to acceptance? Here you go. Acceptance just had a flashback of all of her worst memories. Oops, come on. Back, 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 back. Back, 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 back. Okay, right here. You ever played the game Shoots and Ladders? Have you ever felt like you went all the way to the beginning spiritually just because you struggled with something? It's okay, acceptance. You can, you can go back to your spot. But give trauma a hug because you guys need each other. 
So how else does this limit? How does this impact our relationships if we view spiritual growth like this? Does it hurt them? Does it help them? As a line, like we're all, keep looking forward. Nobody looks back in this church. How would, how would that impact our relationships? Yes, we, we think other people are in a better place and maybe they're the ones who get, who get honored and get, who get held up because they're the happy, hopeful face of the church or whatever. How else? How does that impact our relationships? Yes, yes, the, the, the darkness ones, yes, 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 so empathy, empathy, you need these three people, empathy, come on, let's go back where you're needed, right back here, come on, come on, come on, come on, you could give each of these three a hug because you guys need each other, empathy, you can't survive without them, because within them is wisdom and knowledge and truth and experience. So you see how this isn't a very good way to see spiritual growth, is it? No. Okay, let's change that. Um, let's see. Empathy, come on back because well, I'm going to keep you in order. So hope. What we're going to do is turn into a spiral. Okay. So you're going to come. Everybody follow her. You're going to come about right here. And you guys are going to just start spiraling around her. That's fine. You can do it that way. Here. Let's see. Now, it's easier if you walk past her because oh, this is how I've always done it, and I don't know how to do it the other way. So come on. You're just going to spiral around her, so you'll be right here. Okay, come on up on the stairs. We're going to make a spiral. We're going to make the miraculous spiral. You guys know what you're doing. And then over here. This takes a lot of work just to spiral, huh? Right there's good. Right here. Now you're going to come and start spiraling out around over here. The next one. Come on. Over here. Okay. Here. And trauma, let's have you up on the top, right in the middle. Right. Come on over this way. Right here. And you can even step in a little bit. Cause, okay. So now let's say we view spiritual growth this way. How does that change things? What do you see? Everyone's closer to hope. Everyone's closer to hope. Can everyone reach out and touch hope? Let's squish in and everybody get a hand on hope. (laughs) Yes, we can all, everyone can get touched this way. So what changes in our perception of these things? Is Is there any difference? Are we drawing attention negatively to the people who are struggling? No, what does the Bible say? The weaker parts get what? Special honor, special attention. How do you guys feel differently with the change here? Okay, triggers. I think you can be more in tune. More in tune? With what you're feeling. Like, you can still have hope, but you can realize, like, okay, I'm triggered right now. Yes. But I still have hope. Yes, and look what's right next to you. Forgiveness. Yeah, you guys can, forgiveness and triggers, this is a huge thing. I had a massive trigger recently, and I needed a lot of forgiveness. Yes? I just, it feels like we're all in it together. Yes. Neither, there's not right or wrong, good and bad. We're just all together. We're all together. That's right. Yes? I feel a sense of supportive energy. 
Yes, yes. Everybody, please put a hand on trauma. She's, everybody give her a little squeeze because she's going through a traumatic time right now and she just needs a little encouragement. Um, how about you guys? What else do you see? That you can be going through different things at different times. Yes. You can be going through different things at different times and there's no bad or good value attached to that. You know what I mean? It's not bad. Oh, I'm struggling right now. No, no, no. You're learning. You're, you're, you're having some things that you're facing, but those are going to be added to your reservoir of what you've learned and the tapestry of who you are. And so all of them are valuable. All of them are important. How about if somebody were in this kind of circle who was struggling with pornography? How would this help them? Yes. It's all part of the journey. Well, the line looked really, really long. Yes, yes. And this doesn't look long. It looks kind of like intertwined. It does. And which of, so let's say I'm struggling with pornography. I'll be that person. So I'm going to come in, you guys. Hey, everybody. I hate to say this, but I saw some nudity on the TV the other day, and it just stuck in my head. It triggered me. See, already. Triggers. Thank you. What else does somebody else have to say to me? Which of these tasks? Thank you. Forgive myself. Thank you. Yes, I need that. There's hope that you can overcome and be different. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Can you just push the shame off my shoulder? I feel so much shame, and that keeps me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, what else? What else are you guys seeing? Yes. Well, I think that you realize you're not alone in your struggle. You're not alone. You're not alone. Would you feel free to talk, if this is how it was, about things you're afraid about? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't feel weird at all saying that, you know, not that I'm looking at porn right now, but I did the other day just that my TV at the place we're staying doesn't say what's on the programs. So I'm just flipping through, and bam, nudity. Just bam. So we don't even always choose the struggles. They go after us. We don't get them because we're bad. We get them because we're being attacked. And so we need the body. We need this spiral. And this is grace. This is the grace of God that everybody trade signs with somebody, by the way. Trade, trade real quick. Everybody trade. Isn't that how it is on different days? Don't you find you could be in any of these on any certain day? All right, let's give everybody a big hand. You can keep your signs for right now. So really the goal, the enemy is shame. Shame is what keeps us stuck. The shame is, shame is different from guilt or conviction. Conviction is I did something, it affected other people, and I'm willing to see how it impacted them, and I want to repair that. 
That's conviction. Shame is now everybody will know how sucky I am and that I'm really not a good Christian and I'm bad and I better hide and I better pull away a little bit and I got to get this fixed because then they'll love me again. That's shame. That's the difference between shame and conviction. So we learn how to replace shame with dignity, but we've got to give that to each other. You know, for instance, grace-based discipleship. Ask permission to give input. You know, be respectful. You know, um, listen first. And if you have something to say, say, you know, I have some... I have, I have some um, Things I've been through that are similar, would this be, would you like to hear about them? You see what I mean? We, we're not just putting stuff on each other. We're very respectful. We're very considerate. We're asking. We're, um, we're saying thank you for sharing before we say anything else. And wow, that took a lot of courage. And I'm so honored you choose me. And I'm so touched that you could tell me something like that that's so personal. And, you know, how can I help you? And before we start sharing scriptures, ask them what scriptures they know. You see what I mean? So we start changing the way that we interact with each other to make the safety so that we can enjoy the spiral of growth. Shame isolates, sends us into hiding. Grace allows us to be seen and known in our weakness. Shame, this is from Grace Calls. Shame tempts us to medicate. Grace soothes our losses. You know, when you feel shame, you just want to go eat a bunch of stuff. At least I do sometimes, right? You want to go eat, eat, eat. Or you want to go shop, shop, shop. Or you want to do something just to feel like a little something, anything. So it tempts us to medicate. Grace helps us see ourselves through Jesus. Whereas shame causes self-hatred and blame. Shame, we abandon others when they hurt us. So there's this great book called The The Soul of Shame by Kurt Thompson. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. It's an awesome book. And what he says is the thing about shame that we don't understand is that within all shame is the fear of abandonment. Because we believe that if other people knew, they would pull away from us. But the problem is it, instead of going to them, if we believe that instead of going to them, what do we do? We're like, we take, we abandon them. So within the church, even, or in our relationships, there's all these mini abandonments coming that are happening. Um, And so grace, we learn to look at our own hurts with curiosity and empathy, and then we can give that same curiosity and empathy to other people. Um, Shame weakens our connections. Grace strengthens our connections. So you can see how grace would be the way that we help each other with, we help each other restore our soul, heart, mind, and strength through God's grace. And it's that powerful. We can trust it. Brokenness is not the power to overcome. Grace is. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Repentance is essential. It's part of God's plan, but it is not the power to change. Grace is. It says in Romans, what was it that motivated them to repent? God's kindness. God's grace, God's kindness motivates us, and we've been afraid to trust it. But we can trust it. The other thing to know, okay, this is one of my pieces of art. 
that I did. It's a portrait I did of my friend Rose. And I actually did it on top of a winter scene, and I turned it on its side. So what is now her eyelash was a bush. And you see the grass by her throat? You can kind of see what I painted it over. Intuitive art has taught me so much about God because you start putting paint on a canvas and you let it get very chaotic and then you look, start to look for the order in it. God is an intuitive artist. He's not threatened by any of our trauma, triggers, thorns. He's not, he's not, he's, he's not looking at us and thinking, gosh, I wish they changed so I could use them. He is an intuitive artist. He's looking for the door and the window and the opportunity and the way he's going to integrate that and what he's going to teach us out of that and how the beautiful portrait's going to come out of that. I mean, it took my breath away when that was finished. I couldn't even believe it, that I did it. Because, you know, I was just praying for Rose and putting colors on the canvas and then I thought of flowers in her hair since her name is Rose and it just... But the real key moment was... I was using wet wipes to take off the paint and put paint more paint and take it off, and I was doing all this crazy stuff. And at one point, I noticed that that bush was right where her eye was, and it made the perfect eyelash. I didn't plan that. You know, it, you could have said, oh, that's a mistake, that there's a bush there by her eye. But instead, I saw God's moving. I saw something special happening. God's an intuitive artist in how he works in our lives, and we can trust him. The other thing to know is God created the world out of chaos. So in recovery language, we talk about healing chaos. And that is that the chaos in our lives isn't a terrible thing. It's getting our attention and it's helping us uncover trauma and triggers and things that need to speak in our soul. And God uses that chaos just like he used chaos to create the world. He uses it to heal us. So... How does this work? And these charts are from Grace Calls. Here's how shame works. Shame comes. We push down the wound because we feel shame. Like, oh, I can't be. No, I'm not going there. No, I didn't really do that. No, that really didn't mean anything. I'll do better next time. You know, we we press it down. And then because we press down the wound, we're afraid of other people. So we step away. Well, then... We're like, what am I going to do about my problem? I'm going to either deny it or I'm just going to try to control it really well so that that I can fix it on my own and it can become a great victory story. Are you guys resonating with this? Sometimes I, okay. It can become a great victory, victory story. And then... What happens when my weakness comes up? Man, I better compensate for it. I better, I better do some good stuff to, to compensate for this bad stuff in my life. And then it all builds up and we end up medicating it and then more shame comes. And you see what's in the middle of this is a well of abandonment because we start to feel abandoned. We abandon others in our fear. And, and ultimately you can start to feel abandoned by God. Any questions about this before I talk about the answer or any thoughts on this? How many of you have experienced this before in your life? Yeah, it's human. Shame is the accuser. He's the accuser. He throws shame on us. He's a shame thrower. You know, knowing how to deal with shame is part of our battle. Yes? Yes. Yes. 
Yes. You know, medicate or control or not let people in too close instead of allowing God's grace to come yeah. I I just have to say I am the queen of oops I am the queen of self fixing. I just I'm just gonna admit that. I I've really been on a journey, even the last couple of years I went through a year of coaching, then I became a coach, then I got certified in trauma. You know, this is why I was doing all that to start. It was for me. But, I'm, I, you know, I, it's been a long process learning to drop that self-fixing, that be stronger than it, you know, to achieve something. So when I first came up with this chart, it was like I was out in my writing cabin, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I understand. And I'm like, God, what's the answer? And here's what I think the Holy Spirit gave me, is we need a drainage system in the soul. Now, if, we have, if we're operating within the spiral, this is going to be a lot easier to have a drainage system in the soul if we're operating in the spiral. So when shame comes, there's a little drain system there. It's like our basement started getting wet at one point when we lived in Illinois, and we had some guys came in, and they put a drain all the way around because they couldn't stop the water from coming in, but they could drain it out. We can't stop the pain from coming in. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. The accuser stands by accusing the saints. How often? Day and night. You know, so shame comes for all of us. And But instead of repressing it, what do we do? We accept it. We say, okay, I got a wound. I got a wound here. You know, and we should be very tender with our wounds and very tender with the wounds of each other. We're tender with it. Like, oh, oh, wow. Here, let me help you. Wound. And then we realize we need help because unless we have someone else look at it, then it's hard. Like me and my husband had a bump today, a little bump today over books and, you know, Anyways, it's just me and Dave. We had a little bump, and he was telling me if the books didn't come, you know, that I could still, and if I didn't even have a square reader, I could still sell books. And, you know, we were having this little thing about books. My friend called me, and I told her that after I got off the phone with Dave, I'm just being honest, I took my iPhone and I threw it across the floor like I was skipping a stone. You know, it kind of went boop, 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 and all the way over to the sliding glass door. Now, I'm not, I'm not making fun of myself to say that's okay. I'm just saying that's just what I did. And I had this moment of like, yeah, it's too much pressure. My life is too much pressure. Everything is, you know, too much pressure. That's where I go. And my friend Amy called me, and I told her exactly what I did. And do you know what she said? I'm so sorry. She's like, I'm sorry that you... You're feeling so much pressure today. And you know what happened inside of me? I just felt so soft. And I felt conviction, too, that I need to apologize to my husband. But it was, it was like I surrendered my pain to her. That's what we talk about. I surrender my pain to you. I'm surrendering my pain to you tonight. I'm trusting you guys with a story from today. 
We like to tell each other stories that are way back and tell how we fixed it way back. That's what we like to do. But the powerful stories, right, are the today stories. And that, just her saying that, and then she didn't try to fix me at all. She's like, wow, well, obviously God's going to use you tonight. You know, obviously God's got plans for this. He's going to take care of you. But she just sat with me for a moment. She just said, I'm sorry, and she just sat there, and she let me be. And then I felt better. Then we accept that we've changed, you know, because we've accepted our wound. We've accepted help. Man, look at me. That was brave. I was so brave to tell Amy that, you know, because Amy idolizes me a little bit. And I took myself off the pedestal for her. And that was brave. So I'm like, oh, that was a victory. And then I can accept my weakness that I'm still human, even though I'm writing books, even though I'm writing a book on Sarah. Sarah gets mad and kicks all Abraham's stuff all over the tent. I don't know where she got that from. But anyway, she gets mad and, you know, about him taking Isaac up on the hill to offer him and figuring it out. And she's furious. That's human. And then in, when I feel that Jesus loves me in my weakness, he loves the robin that throws her iPhone across the room. He loves me in my weakness. Then I know my value. I am a valued daughter of God. Even when I've had a great week, even when for some reason I just snap. I am a valued God, daughter of God. Now, you can imagine if you do this over and over and over again, what will happen in your soul? Courage. Hmm? Healing. Drainage. Yes, drainage. The drainage system is working. And what do you think is coming? That well of abandonment is just draining out every day. It's draining. Encourage one another, how often in the Bible? Daily. Daily. Drain the well daily. And you know what comes to replace the abandonment? Is the acceptance of Jesus. (coughs) See, we need to hold room for each other. I love this quote by Jay Stringer. It's a groundbreaking book on sexual purity. What it's explaining is called unwanted. What it's explaining is that no follower of Christ wants sexual sin. None of us do. We don't choose that in a sense. In a sense, we're acting out losses. And because we're so afraid that we're unwanted because of our losses, we start taking on unwanted behaviors. So he has this concept. He says, no person, no matter how troubled or vile, can escape the reality of being made by God to grow in maturity and receive care, gentleness, and rest in the context of relationships. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. So it circles us back, right? We're we're kind of wrapping up here. Circles us back to this, this ability to grow, that grace is the greatest power in the universe transforms how I see myself, transforms how I see you. If you threw your phone today, I've got a lot of empathy for you. And, uh, and, it, and it transforms how we see God. We get a new view of brokenness. You know, that it's not a one-time thing and it's not the proof that you're okay. We don't, we don't review, we don't talk like, did they repent or didn't they? 
as if it's a one-time thing. Repentance is just a way of life. It's just humility. So we look at this differently. I found a couple of scriptures today that really kind of touched my heart in a huge way. And this one, in Job 2, in the, in the voice version, it says, Job took a broken piece of pottery to scrape his wounds, and while he sat in the ashes just outside of town. What do you hear there? Why is he sitting outside of town? He's alone. He's isolating. Maybe he knows in their culture what they all think, the reason that he's got boils all over him. It's because he sinned, is what everyone thinks. So he's sitting outside, piece of pottery, to scrape his wounds while he sat in the ashes just outside of town. And his friends come, they want to help, but then they go right back to their old ways of seeing, into their black and white, good or bad. If you did something, if you're not getting good things in your life, you did something bad and you're way back at the beginning and you need to start all over, you, you know, you rode the chute all the way to the bottom, Job, you need to start all over. And so what we need is a whole different view of wounds, of our wounds. And I started realizing that what God's intention for each of us is for us to become wounded healers. And so think about Job. He was a mighty spiritual warrior because he fought for his relationship with God when he was wounded. How hard that was when no one else knew how to fight for him. Um, But I've got to think, after he did that, he was able to help people with a lot of their own wounds. Jesus was a wounded healer. By his, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. When he was resurrected, he was resurrected with wounds. And you think, why? Why was he resurrected? I imagine him dying and getting ready to resurrect, and he said, God, I've got to have the wounds. That's how they'll know me. That's how they'll trust their own wounds. That will, that will help them. I want to keep the wounds. I'm proud of the wounds. Jesus is a wounded healer. And as we learn to operate this way, we become a body of wounded healers that can help the world. Psalm 147, verse 3, he binds their wounds, heals the sorrows of their hearts. Even David was beginning to glimpse it, that there was such a thing as that God was a wound binder and a sorrow healer. And you know what? David, in his glimpsing us, he became one of the greatest wounded healers of all time, writing the book of Psalms that all of us go to for our wounds. I want us to all say this out loud together. In Jesus, I am a wounded healer. Okay, ready? In Jesus, I am a wounded healer. How does that make you feel? One more time. In Jesus, I am a wounded healer. We could say, like Jesus, I am a wounded healer. Because of Jesus, I am a wounded healer. Through Jesus, I am a wounded healer. And the book Grace Calls goes into great detail how to become a wounded healer and what that looks like using the Good Samaritan as a role model. But what an amazing, what an amazing way to see ourselves. 
Psalm in Isaiah 30, 53, 5, he endured the breaking that made us whole. The injuries he suffered became our healing. I really believe all the injuries I've suffered are there for other people's healing, mm-hmm. right? For my next, for my neighbor across the street who just lost her husband. My injuries are there, my, losing my dad, losing my sister, losing my mother, losing my son's girlfriend, losing best friends, losing my campus daughter who was shot in the head the day after she was in my house. You know what I mean? All of those are for her. Just like Jesus, all the injuries he suffered became our healing. The injuries you suffered are not to be hidden. They're to be healing and wisdom and knowledge and help for others. And this is where, as a trauma, as a trauma professional, this is, what, this is how you heal trauma. First of all, you need a safe place. You have to be absolutely convinced the person that's helping you is safe. Secondly, you need to understand that you're not a freak. That you're, you're, you know, this is normal brain function. And we could talk more about this. It explains a lot of it in Pure the Journey. But mainly you need a brand new story. You need a new narrative, a new way to understand that that wasn't the end, that there's good out of that, and that there's still a plan, and that you're going to be okay, and you need a new story to heal trauma. So I'm going to end with just a little story. I was going to read you a little bit out of Eve's song, but I think we're out of time. I just want to end with a little story. We do um, some marriage coaching online, and you know, a few nights ago we had some very dear friends of ours on the line, and they were hurting. I mean, really, really hurting. And they'd had a, a violent fight. And, um, and you could tell the hope was just gone. You know, they're heroes in our minds. You know, they've done so much for God, but they just felt like they're at the end and they just didn't know how to fix it or what to do. And, at, you know, near the end of our time, my husband, this was the Holy Spirit, I'd never heard this before, He said this to them. He said, I want you to say this to each other. You know, husband, I am still a broken person. Please stay with me while I heal. Wife, I am still a broken person. Please stay with me while I heal. All right, find a partner. And... um, Everybody got a partner, somebody to talk to? Okay, so first one person's going to say it. You'll say both lines. And I look and look at look in each other's eyes. Okay, ready? So first partner. sure to end it with a hug. (laughs) So tonight I want to invite you all, you know, I brought as many books as I can. Sorry, I couldn't bring more. You know, it's a, but there are books out there, but they're not books. They're healing journeys. So the reason we bring them is not because we want to sell books, believe me. Um, but the reason we bring them 
is because, so this could be a start for you of something new or a start of some sisters getting together and saying, okay, we're going to form the four of us. We are going to read through a book and we're going to share our wounds and we're going to be together in the healing process. So I hope you've learned something. Thank you so much for having me tonight. (laughs) You're welcome.